Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 138 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Howling Giant with their cover of Allison Chain's Rooster, and I think it's fucking fantastic. Yes, that is the second time in probably a month that I've opened up the podcast with with a cover from with an Allison Chain's cover. Uh, also, might I add, the second time that I've done that with a band who is also a past guest on Getting It Out Podcast, Tom and Zach of a Howling Giant were once on an episode here, and they were wonderful gentlemen, and I gladly have them back anytime, especially if they keep putting out stuff like this. They also did a really cool split recently. It was just like a one-song split, but it was a you know it's like a full LP basically um, with uh, with what was the other band Th- Thunderhoof something like that. <laughs> I forget what it's called exactly, but the point is that Howling Giant is consistently releasing awesome music, and uh, this cover. Uh, of Alice in Chains Rooster is no exception to that. It's coming out on this comp that uh, that well, they, they call it Dirt Redo, Redo, Dirt Redux. I don't know how you're supposed to say that word. It's probably Redo. Um, it's coming out on Magnetic Eye Records. the The lineup for it is pretty is pretty awesome. It's uh, Thou, Low Flying Hawks, High Priests, Chemist, who you heard uh, I, I did there down in a hole on a past episode. There's Howling Giant. There's uh, Backwoods Payback. There's Sixteen. Um, Lots of awesome, awesome bands. Uh, I haven't heard them all. I've only heard two, two of these tracks so far, but so far they're pretty fucking cool, right? And this label does a lot of these, these cool tribute records. I see one for, see a couple for Black Sabbath. I see a couple for Pink Floyd. I need to get on into all of them. I need, I need them to just send me all of them. How about that? That's a, that's a way better option, because uh, <laughs> otherwise this is going to get a little pricey. But these are cool records. Um, I just want to make sure you're checking them out. If you do, in fact, love Alice in Chains. There's no way you're not going to like this. So far, I've been very impressed. Anyway, moving on to what's happening on this episode. This episode, I have the Kohler brothers from Sick of It All. Yes, Pete and Lou Kohler. They put out a new book recently called The Blood and the Sweat, the story of uh, something about the Sick of It All brothers, right? <laughs> it's uh, They did it with Howie, Howie Abrams, and uh, we're talking about that in this episode. So rather than me go on and on and on, let's just uh, get into it. Okay, here we are, episode 138. We, ooh, 138. What's that? We are 138. We are 138. We are 138. Remember when that guy used to sing that song instead of singing uh, shitty Elvis songs? Anyway, I don't mean to be a jerk. Sorry, it's just natural. Um, this episode is pretty exciting to me because it's uh, with one of my favorite hardcore bands of all time. And uh, legitimately one of my favorite hardcore bands of all time. Number one, goes to Wisdom and Chains, of course. Number two, probably Agnostic Front. Number three, it might be sick of it all. I don't, it's, 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 it's debatable, but uh, it's, I, I, it's hard to argue against that. It's probably sick of it all. So, um, so it was awesome to have the opportunity to speak to both Pete and Lou um, after reading their book, The Blood and the Sweat, which, uh, which, as as I mentioned, they did with Howie Abrams, and uh, it's it's out there now. You need to go check it out. Um, several reasons. You probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like Sick of It All already. Um, and if you don't, you probably should, definitely should. Um, and if you consider yourself a fan of hardcore at all, then, I, then we shouldn't be having this conversation. Quite frankly, you should. We should. We should. We should be well past this point. Anyway. They are without question the most consistent band in the genre's history, and uh, 
And I, I can't see, I can't think of anything they've done that I don't like. And this book is, uh, is included in that list. Um, books by people in the hardcore genre can be kind of tough sometimes because it's a lot of tough guy shit. And uh, we get enough of that out of your lyrics. We don't need it in the book. Uh, or you just get some uh, some elitist nonsense like that fucking, that whole, the, look, you, you remember that American hardcore book? Don't get me wrong, I have literally read that book probably three times, uh, front cover to back cover, uh, but it's it's so fucking elitist, you can't, you know, try to read a Henry Rollins book, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, not to entirely change subjects, but I'm looking across the room right now and I see a storage bin that's got a shuttlecock in it. I don't know last time anybody in this house ever played badminton, but somebody has because there's a shuttlecock in the in the spin that's sitting across the room from me it's pretty incredible oh, the uh, birdie right some people call it a birdie i'm gonna call it what it actually is it's called a shuttlecock right that's what they call it in badminton badminton i gotta say it correctly can you believe that that's a, that's an olympic sport but then they i think they got rid of wrestling isn't wrestling like the ultimate olympic sport boy did we take a weird turn quickly on this podcast let's blame the greeks how about that i lived in greek town in in baltimore for for a long time and uh they always had a sweaty brow. That's all I can really say for sure. I'm not sure what they were up to. Maybe maybe they legitimately uh, had a sweaty brow. Maybe there's a reason to have a sweaty brow, but they always had one. And uh, they, <laughs> they were very suspicious people. Uh, but but I liked them. I liked them for some weird weird reason. They were they were very loud and uh, not necessarily jovial. They're kind of angry, but you know whatever. Greek town. Go live in Greek town, Baltimore. Uh, I think it, I think they try to say it's a it's a very gay neighborhood. I don't remember it that way though. I remember a lot of uh, women who wore pajamas, day you know night and day all all day all day long. Just out in the streets in their pajamas, not you know like and I'm talking like like uh, sweatpants and hoodies, uh, you know. And you can't go you can't go outside in sweatpants uh, unless you're buying heroin. That's like a prerequisite. You can you can go buy heroin in sweatpants, but you can't go outside in sweatpants for any other reason unless you're going to work out. It's like two opposite ends of the spectrum. Anyway, no sweatpants in public, please, um, unless you're going to your drug dealer. Um, but whatever. Uh, I think I think I've probably gone on too much and I might have offended some people and for that I should apologize. Um, so let's just go into this conversation with Pete and Lou. Again, it was a total honor to do it. And let's start with the classic Sick of It All track. And uh, if you know it, you know it. If you don't, you should. Either way, here it is. Oh, yeah, sure, I know. It's a free country and I ain't got the right. But I got a badge. What do you got? Do 
All right. So, um, so again, thank you guys for doing this. Uh, I'm, I'm, before we really get into it, I'm, I myself am a huge Sick of It All fan. Uh, I've, I've loved you guys since. See, you're, you're one of the bands that I found uh, back before I even, you know, knew what hardcore was. It was just, it was just heavy music. It was, it was punk rock. It was, it was metal. It was something in between. And uh, so I've been listening to you for literally, well, more than half my life at this point. Yeah. Um, so. So, cool. so, so, well, so, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm very stoked <laughs> to be doing this. Um, and and I was already excited seeing that you guys released this book. Uh, and I got it and I burned through it. And I'm, I'm not kidding, it, less than two days. It was just, you, you know, right on my screen. I just read it on the computer and just f- flew right through it. Um, uh, and and I've seen. I've seen the same from a lot of people. A lot of people that I know who've been been in hard been involved in hardcore, particularly for a long time, have been flying through it as well. And I've heard only good things. So, so anyway, that's just me blowing you up, telling you stoked to do this conversation. Glad to have you. Um, uh, so, like, so obviously, um, I want to talk to you about all that, but I'm not going to keep you too long. But, um, but, but yeah, I want to get into this. So, so I mean, we, you and I both know, and the people that listen to this are all going to know who's sick of it all is they're all going to know the, the basic sick of it all stuff and um but but what they're not going to know and what what i what i'm interested in is how did how did sick of it all how did you two in particular um decide that it was time to write a book wow <laughs> actually uh, it was howie howie abrams it was his idea to do because me and lou uh, and we always wanted to do like a history of sick of it all or a sick of it all book but then howie had the idea of it being a little more interesting with doing the whole brother angle. Yeah, yeah, and I and, and I think it it's it stood out from the rest of them. And I know, like you said, it says in the book there. But I, but I, uh, but, but, but what I enjoyed about it was the, uh, the the way that this this whole thing read just like somebody was sitting there listening to you guys talk. And uh, and yeah. I, it, it, is that how it was written? It was yeah. It was uh, uh, we did a couple of face to face meetings with Howie, and we just started. It was good to have them there because it's like when we hang out, you know, backstage or we're hanging out somewhere and we just start talking about stuff. Somebody will bring something up that will remind us and we start telling the stories. And that's why it was good to have Howie. He would prompt us with different things that he had heard or he was there and he's like, do you remember when this happened? Or, all right, at this year, you put this album out. Do you remember what happened around that album or that tour? So it was really good to have that, you know, and I like that about the book. Like you said, it's just like hanging out at a, a bar, listening to the guys swap stories, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I know it goes through in the book, but how long, how, how did you first link up with Howie uh, to begin with? He was just a, uh, we'd see each other heading to CBGB's matinees, you know, he's another guy from Queens. And then we all started seeing each other at the matinees. And uh, we just got to know him through that, you know, through hardcore, through uh, all the thrash metal shows that we'd all run into each other at, you know? It was funny because we were all at a lot of the same shows that are like legend now. Like we saw Venom's first shows in New York, in America, in, yeah. and it was like Venom with Metallica opening, and uh, Howie was there. We were there, you know. So we, we've known him even longer than the band's been together, you know. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. long, long time. <laughs> and then that's... he got uh, him and him and Steve Martin started a, a, a subsidiary of. Uh, Relativity Records called in effect for bands like Agnostic Front, Signal, whatever, and that's when you know he got involved with us even more. 
Well, and he's he's one that it seems like has has stuck around too. Much like much like you guys, much like sick of it all. He's he's still been involved, and um, I guess maybe his main involvement now is is in writing these books, right? I think he's done a couple of them. Yeah, that's like yeah. his his thing now. I guess. No, it's a it's a it's a cool yeah, it's a cool way to take it with all the history he knows. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's uh, been in the music, not just hardcore. I, that's the one thing I love about him is that he he branches out. He loves hip hop. He loves you know all that underground metal, but he also loves, you know, he does mainstream shit too. Like he, he did a publishing company and uh, works for a publishing company. He did mainstream bands like Bowling for Soup and stuff like that, you know? Right, right. But he never, ever stopped going to hardcore shows, which is something that's very rare, you know? It is. And, I, you know, all right, so I'm only, I'm, only, I'm only 35, but I got two kids and a wife and a house and all that. I don't know how you, how you, I don't know how all you guys yes, are, yeah. are able to keep this up. I don't. It's, it's amazing to me. Like if if I, it's 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 impressive to be to be able to do it all, to continue to do it and, and be as involved. <laughs> yeah. Um. The so so you, when when you were doing this, how these these meetups with him or whatever, how how long did this process take to to get this book figured out? It was not done like constantly. It was uh, what people what we would do like uh a couple of weeks and then stop for a little while and do like a couple of weeks more where we'd have some, we'd, like I said, we had, I think there were like two or three face to face. The rest were done with long conference calls and cause we'd be yeah. laughing and <laughs> just, you know, telling the stories and going off on it. He would bring up a subject and then we would start that subject, but then take it off into the left field. You know, Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but it, I'd say almost a year, almost a year just because of the spacing it out. And I think that's why it actually came out sounded like just guys talking because it it was just Mm -hmm. us telling stories and, you know, joking around and stuff. And it it brought back so much memories and it was like fun to do it. Yeah. The encouraging thing was when Howie, like, I guess after the first month or so, he goes, uh, I can't remember the woman's name right now, but the woman who was transcribing the book. Yeah. Yeah. she, she said she had to. She has to keep stopping because she's laughing so much. <laughs> so I thought that was that was very encouraging, you know. Because personally, when Howie brought up this thing about a book, I was just like, "Who the hell wants to read about us?" You know, uh, and not just the band, but his brothers. It's like, what's the big deal? It's, it's just my mentality is we just do it. You just got to get in and do it, you know. Uh, but it was. It's just I'm glad because I was really nervous about how people would accept it or. You know, it's not a story of like a lot of the hardcore guys had hard lives growing up, and I'm not saying our lives are cakewalk, you know, but right. they were they either placed themselves in situations that were really bad, or they or they just came from bad situations, you know. Yeah, well, I think you hit on. I think you. I mean, we have some fights in our book. <laughs> yeah, a couple. Well, I think you hit on two really important things there. But why, um, why this this book and you guys and this band in particular resonates so well with people? Uh, one being that, all right, you, maybe it's not a big deal to you guys that you're brothers. But all right, I, I got a brother. We don't get along like you guys seem to get along. At least we, I couldn't work with my brother for thirty years. I can barely work with him for four hours. You know, and, and you know, like so. So to. So to have that kind of connection, that it, it truly is unique, and it is it, it is admirable. Like, um, but, you know, everybody has those uh, family relations that they look at and they think, "Well, I wish I got along." You know, yeah. when you when you really think about it, you wish you got along with your siblings, your parents, whatever, better. And so, so to so basically have you guys in as an example, whether it's fucking surface or not, you know, it still exists. Um, not saying it is, you know, but it, but it exists. And then, like you mentioned. You, 
you know, you you don't. It's not just filled with uh, uh, stories about living on the streets and tough living. We we've we've all read a lot of those books, and uh, that's not relatable for most of us. I, I grew up in the suburbs, you know what I mean. And I think most people who listen, who, yeah. who get into this music, uh, not most, but you know, a fucking huge majority of it come from the same thing. So to have something more relatable, to yeah, have, that's that's yeah. a reason. I, that, that's the reason I think people are connecting with it because most of us come from you know middle-class families everyone works hard the families you know sort of stays together or whatever you yeah. know not everyone is from the streets right yeah yeah <laughs> I, 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 I i'm i'm lying if i if i say i could relate to any of that you know i lived in baltimore for like seven years that's all i got you know that's as that's as close as i get to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty dangerous man. <laughs> it's not dangerous it's point. it's not that bad it's not when you live in not when you live in the uh the, the white trash neighborhoods there it's just it's just hilarious well, I mean, you know, the I love those books. Like the like, uh, I love John's book, and and Roger's book is great too. Yeah. But uh, you know, I never wanted to live in a school. We had a chance to go hang out in squat. Yeah, I've hung out in squats, but I I just never had the desire. I was like, uh, I got a job. I'm going to rent an apartment. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I understand. You know, some people it's their way of you know free living. Or hey, I didn't get to live in Manhattan. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Well, shit. I'm 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 a millennial. I have no idea what a fucking squat even looks like. You know, I, what's a squat to me? That's that's yeah, that's weak Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I, the, the, so you, you mentioned like a lot of these stories, and a lot of them are funny, and a lot of them a lot of them involve you know stu- silly fights. Uh, well, at least you know I, I find some time to be silly. But <laughs> the, uh, the the how do you how do you keep all this together? Like I. All right. I, I mean, I do. I, I got to give you. I think you guys mentioned at least one of you that you haven't drank for a while, so I'm sure that helps. But if I try to think about like memories from from <laughs> ten years ago at a hardcore show, they all kind of go together. Um, so, but w- but when you're when you guys were going on and on about this tour and then that tour and then this show and that show, was there a lot of bouncing it off each other? Or like, wait, was that this time or was that something else? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, we, we help each other remember. Yeah. You know? uh, and also sometimes, like, I would remember something and people would be like, no, that wasn't that time. It was like, an, uh, that was at this show. And I'd be like, oh, okay. You know who's good <laughs> at stuff like that? And and I, I always say this, not really, people think I'm just giving lip service or, or joking. I really want, I hope this book does well enough that they approach Craig and Armand to yeah. write their book and have us guests in it. You know, like we had them on this because... I want to see their takes of some of the shows that <laughs> right. we did or even the different angles that they came at. And Armand, he is such, uh, at least before all his love of beer, he was <laughs> he knew every show and what you played, you know, where it was, when we played it, you know, 90% of the time he remembers the set. You know, it's like Fat Mike is like that too from No Effect. Yeah. Uh, I remember talking to him about, you know, I said to him once, he goes, remember the first time I ever met you? Uh, was in some records in New York. He goes, yes, and you guys were going to go see the Cro-Mags play instead of us. I go, yes. <laughs> and he knew exactly what I was talking about. That's in the book, yeah. yeah. It was like That's... 1986. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And, and you know, it's... Uh, oh. I... I I, I read the book right after actually listening to Craig and Armand uh, do uh, Wisdom and Chains podcast with Richie and uh, with uh, Richie and Joe. So so I, so I got I was been flooded oh by sick God. of it all stuff lately. But yeah, I would I would love to read a book by those two. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I really want him to make one. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to convince Howie to talk to him about it. <laughs> well, so so when you like you you get you had those two jump in and say you know give give parts. Um, you've had a, you had a lot of other people, of course, too. Uh, was was there any skepticism from other people to get them to be included in this, or was everybody kind of up for it? I think everyone I think was it, ready. You know, yeah. There was it. It, it sucks because now that I remember being asked, who should we talk to? And we would just throw out names. Of course, you know, Howie had his ideas. He wanted to talk to Gary Hope because Exodus gave us our first run, which was right. eight shows on the East Coast. Like, that was the first outside of hardcore. That was the first thing we ever did. So he talked to Gary. He wanted to talk to, uh, you know, the DRI guys. And uh, But now, as soon as he asked us, who else should we speak to? Like, he threw out a couple of names. But now the book's out, I'm like, you know, Oh my God, we never spoke to like, uh, Christiana, who was our publicist in England, who became our booking agent in England. And we all agree that if it wasn't for her, we would not be as big as we are in England now. Right. You know, she had this way with, you know, she had to end with these magazines that were all metal. And she'd be like, why still, you know, that's great, but you can do another, another, uh, story on anthrax when look at this band sick of it all you know look what they're doing in germany look what they did in new york city and all of a sudden we'd be in fucking kerrang and q and all these fancy magazines you know mm-hmm. so that's another person we should have had spoke to but you can't have everybody i guess that's for the craig and armine book <laughs> they can get the the the, the leftovers but... yeah well i mean i know what you have mean. a lot yeah. of crazy adventures in england yeah, you know, I mean, we had, and and it's funny because I'm trying to, I, I haven't gone through the whole book again since we tried to we proofread it, uh-huh. and but I'm trying to remember if we have mentioned any of the England stories that we have, you know. There was a couple mentions of the underworld, but I don't, um, but I don't know if I, like off the top of my head, I can't I can't think of anything uh, in particular, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's certainly in there. Just I, <laughs> yeah, and but it just said that we should have had Chrissy interviewed. She she's a it was a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were there, were, were there, um, going back and forth Were there, I mean, I'm sure, but were there things that people said were like, fuck no, we're not putting that in there. No, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Luckily, <laughs> luckily uh, everybody, everybody clean. kept it clean. I they mean, knew, yeah, everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, yeah, that's for later. That's the later years when we're not going, when we're not playing anymore, then it's going to be like. The, the true hardcore. Uh, here's story. what really happened. The true yeah. story of New York hardcore. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. yeah, funny. Well, the, the, speaking of like, the, you mentioned some things in in here about um, about people's misconceptions about uh, sick of it all. Maybe as a band, maybe maybe just as maybe songs, maybe whatever. Uh, just, uh, to take a look around, being one of them. Um, so like, so there's there's like, negative misconceptions that people had that they got wrong. Uh, but what are some of the what is it like a, a positive misconception? Like what's your favorite ridiculous thing that people have made up about sick of it all? <laughs> oh, oh God. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I don't know. One time when we were on tour with Sepultura and Napalm Death, uh, it, I think it was in New Mexico and they were handing out, there was a church group handing out flyers with, it, it said sick of it all's mm. lyrics and it was, completely not our stuff and it was all about <laughs> satan and devil worshiping and i really and, and wish drugs. i kept that thing i didn't keep it yeah. but, but it, it was, was, funny. It was it pretty like, funny it was like a form letter 
Yeah. They, <laughs> they, they had the form and it would say, uh, don't listen to, and it would have like a blank spot and you could see they typed in sick of it all. And, you know, <laughs> they promote Satanism, drug use, uh, promiscuous sex. You know, we were all like, yeah, sure. That's, that's what all our lyrics are about. I don't think you guys even hit, we, one, we hit one of those things. We'd be, we would be making more money if yeah. we could think <laughs> yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I mean, <laughs> um, the, the well, mm-hmm. you got to do you got to, you like you mentioned the, the tours with Napalm Death and and Sika, or and, uh, Sepultura. You did you did the one with Exodus, um, and and I know there was uh, you know obviously the, at the time um, crossover, uh, but but it really seems like you guys have embraced crossing over in every direction. Like you know every time people talk about uh, people talk about crossover, we all know the term crossover. What we're what we're referring to, but then, but then it never yeah. goes like the other way. They never they never like consider you know crossover is not considered like the hardcore that leans way more to the punk side or that's willing to go play Warp Tour um, on yeah. whatever. And but but, exactly. you guys, but you guys have always been open to that, and um, it's clearly been to your advantage. Why do you think more bands don't <laughs> don't, yeah. don't don't take this? Well, I mean, a lot of and a lot of bands ask us too. They always ask, well, "How did you guys get so big in this, you know, area?" It's like we're open. We're open for anything, you know. Yeah, we'll play pretty much play with anybody. I think now, well, not even now, but even going back ten years ago, other bands started to do it. Like, you know, Agnostic Front realized, yeah, we had a good crossover career towards the metal. Yeah, but we have a a hardcore punk following, and so. And I think also Roger's other band, The Disasters, who do those Epitaph punk tours. You know, sure. Like, uh, I don't remember the names of the tours, but it was like Epitaph punk volume number three or whatever. And it would be like them and the U.S. Bombs. And I think a lot of those bands were expressing, and Rancid, you know, would express their love for Agnostic Front and Sick of It All. And uh, luckily we got the, you know, like we would, we were the band that, like, I remember one year we went on a short run with Rancid and then right into a tour with Helmet. You know, yeah. there's not many other bands I can say. Yeah, they just toured with, uh, you know, these more pop punk kind of a band, and then you know, touring with Helmet. You know, we did uh, one time when the Mighty Boss Tone came to New York. Uh, this is after the Warp Tour we did together. They were playing a show in uh, the Roseland on Halloween, and one of the bands dropped out, and they added us. Uh, they called us up and asked us if we would play, and we didn't fit the bill at all. But it was a fucking amazing show, and you know, and that ended up us doing a couple of more shows with them. It was just you know, a lot of open mindedness, and us being open minded. That there were chances we got some we didn't take. Uh, I remember face to face when they were at their height was going to do a West Coast tour, and they invited us to do it because they loved Scratch the Surface, and that's just the beauty of it is that you know, here's these guys very melodic you know a little aggression but they loved our album so they invited us to do the tour we didn't get to do it because pete uh had a hernia so we had to cancel all the tours but way to go you know, pete it was just cool that we got in- <laughs> it was just cool <laughs> that we got it. invited for something <laughs> like that you know yeah 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 no that's- i think there's a stigma uh, well you know hardcore it, it's uh I don't know it, it it went from this when we got into it, it was very open-minded to then it was it's this and then that broke down into sections where, okay, here's negative hate core and here's the straight edge, uh, positive core who like, it will right. only tour with other positive bands, you know, like they only toured with, it was only Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits and Side by Side. They would never play like Youth of Today and Sheer Terror together. You know, that was stupid in our eyes. We were friends with all those people. 
Yeah, and and the, the funny thing is, is that's the way most people listen to hardcore. I mean, I know there's definitely people that do, that, that that do do that, but you know, the, for the majority, fuck. I mean, I. I, I love it all. Heavy, you know, melodic, whatever. It's 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 all exactly. part of it. And 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 I don't like all of all of it. You know, I like all like parts of each thing. Certain exactly. bands from each thing, and it makes you know. But it, but I don't know. It's just it's a weird um, it's a weird thing. And 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 it's the thing true. that like, go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say what you were saying. It's true. It's like you know, you can all right. You have Youth of Today, and then you have another band. It's not, how many Youth of Today clones are you gonna unless? Like the fifth one down the line puts such a spin on it, you're like, holy shit, it sounds fresh again. You know? Right. It's the same thing with the Madball clones. You got Madball, yeah. then you have Terror, then you have this whole army of clones, and it's like boring until you get to like, you know, number 17 who does, uh, just does their own thing. Then you're like, holy shit, it sounds totally new again. You know? I mean, I mean, I think Madball did that themselves, especially on the last album, how they reinvented their whole shit that's still Madball it's still influential but it's got a whole different sound now yeah and and I think you guys could I think you can say the same for sick of it all I think you guys have done that a couple times and uh we've seen but you, you you've done it um you've done it in a way that's uh subtle but necessary I guess um but but also it's like exactly yeah it, 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 you've seen other bands do it where there's big jumps from record to record and and like okay, look at band you mentioned before, Agnostic Front. I I literally I love every Agnostic Front record. That's that's not an exaggeration. Some more than others, but I love them all. But there's there's like four <laughs> there's like four different sounds to Agnostic Front, right? You had you know the early stuff, the crossover. You had the the punk stuff, and you had the the we're gonna put breakdowns and stuff. You know, like it's all over. But but sick of it all, you guys have uh, have this 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 uh, I don't know how this consistency and that that's that's unmatched. Yeah, in hardcore. We, well. That's just the way we write, you know. We don't write to, you know, be different every record. We just, whatever comes out, comes out. And, and it's in that simplicity of, you know, it's going to sound like us no matter what. You know, right. it's not like, you know, Armand and Pete go, go back and they're like, yeah, I really want to make a song like ACDC, you know. Even if we did that, it would sound like sick of it all, you know. But it's, it's a subconscious thing of like, oh, we're writing another uh, sick of it all album. We take the, the bare bones that we love, and how can we make this interesting? You know, yeah. Just keep it fresh, and that's what happens. And it's it, it's also inspiration from like different generations of bands. Like you could go back to the the after scratch the surface and uh, going into uh, built, built to last, last was actually yeah. more influ it, that was more influenced by just the people that we had met because we had toured so hard and so long on scratch the surface that that if you a lot of people hear that album. Oh, this is when you got this guy started to get more, you know, melody in there, more punk. It was like, no, it was always there, and it's it always depends on what your first two songs are on a record because you can listen to Call to Arms and everybody says, oh, that's when you went punk again. And it's like, no, <laughs> if you go down on Call to Arms, there's some heavy ass songs. Yeah. You just heard the first two and we're like, oh, they're punk, you know? Or they just heard someone say that and then they said it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's probably more but, often yeah, than not. Someone just says like, a tag. <laughs> yeah, musically, like like in a you know, we would get inspired by bands as in like, holy shit, look at what Snapcase is doing. But they bring it. But we never sat down and wrote an album like Snapcase. We were like, that made us want to write the best sick of it all record we could ever write. And that happens. You know, it doesn't have to be a new band. Again, uh, I, I want to bring them up again, but like 
when we were writing for uh, the last album, uh, Wake the Sleeping Dragon, that's when Madball's Rev Up had just come out after uh-huh. we right as we were recording. And we were like, this is so good. We have to make this the best sick of it all record we can. And it, in my opinion, I think everybody really stepped up. Pete and Craig stepped up, not only in the music, but also in their lyrical writing. Me and Armine always wrote lyrics. Yeah. But Pete and Craig really stepped up on this album and it, and it shows, you know. And I think it also credits to the producer, our friend Jerry Farley, for cracking the whip on Craig. <laughs> lyrically. <laughs> lyrically. What, what does that mean? How do you, how do, you do that? It good. Okay, Craig will come in with a song and just throw it at us and let us try to muddle through it, you know, and figure out what to do. Uh, he came in with some really good songs, and especially especially uh, uh, Inner Vision was amazing. Like, when I heard the music, I was like, this is the opening track. And even Jerry said, like, let's see what he does with the lyrics. And I said, I can write to it. But he goes, no, 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 I want Craig to write this. Because <laughs> listen to this melody. This is something in his head that he's got to get out. And Craig didn't want to write. So Jerry said, you have to fucking write this song. It made him write the song. It came out great. <laughs> it's probably my favorite song off the last album. That's a, hey, whatever works, man. That's that's funny. That's a, that's a that's a whole exactly. new process. <laughs> what I, I no no um, the the okay okay. So so you you guys mentioned um, something in the book that about well, it's kind of a negative thing, but I want to want to ask about it. You mentioned the the United Blood set you played a few years back, um, and I wasn't oh, there. Yeah. I wasn't there, but I was. The next night, I think, when you played in Frederick, Maryland, I think that's where you were at the next night. And you you mentioned this this whole thing from from the stage. Um, I, I yeah. Wait, what what show was this? This was uh, I, I know what you're talking about. The United Blood Fest in Virginia. Okay. Well, that's what my my it's question a, was going to be. Why why does it, why did that one why did that moment stick out to? You? Why do you think that one is, is something you, you like that it, you remember? Kinda, it was. It was one of those things, it was one of those things where it's called United Blood, total old school name. The guys who run it were really old school, loved it. But it kind of hurt that we're sitting there watching the band going before us, and I can't remember, I think it was Take Offense, uh, Turnstile, and somebody else in Bane and us. And we went down to watch, you know, I'd never seen Take Offense, I'd never seen Turnstile at that point. Mm-hmm. And I blown away, amazing. All those bands, every band gave a great set. And us and the guys from Bane were all like, these kids, look at these. There's so many young kids, and they love this old school sound. You know, take offense, it's like suicidal. Right, you know? yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, they all had an old school approach, but they made it their own. We were so, we were like, this is going to be a great show. Then we go down, when Bane is on, more than half the crowd is gone already. And we were just sitting there like, what the fuck happened? And then when we went down, there was even less people there. And it was just something that stuck in my head. I was like, why wouldn't these kids sit or, or stick around to see the bands that influenced the bands that they just saw? And it was, you know, it's sour grapes, I guess you could say, but it, yeah. it just really, it, it, I couldn't believe it. Because even when I'd go to see shows, in, uh, in the, the one I always bring up is, it was the Exploited, uh, Zero Boys, Broad Deal, and Slapshot. You know, Broad Deal and Slapshot were relatively newer bands at the time. Yeah. And there was all young kids there. Us young kids were there to see our friends, Rodeal and Slapshot. Zero boys were okay, but we all stuck around for the exploited. And you were so glad you did because it was such chaos. So 
such insanity on stage and off stage. It was amazing. But I was really kind of perturbed. And I was like, what did everybody's moms come to pick them up at once? <laughs> and people, you know, but it was the promoters were like, it doesn't matter. We're still here. And I was like, eh, it kind of matters. It kind of hurts <laughs> my feelings. <you> know? <laughs> Like I said, it could be sour grapes, but I was just so excited watching these kids lose their shit to bands that were heavily influenced by our generation, and then we go down to play and they're fucking gone, you know. But whatever. Now and now it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and I, 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 it's it's funny because like I've I've seen the, but but also it brings to me the question. Where are the people that go to, like, I remember uh, a tour, I'm sure you did several, or a couple at least, um, a tour, you and you guys in Bain playing, like, the Autobar in Baltimore, and they're, you know, it's obviously a smaller club, but everybody's there for that. Where are those people that should have been there for that, you know, myself included, because I wasn't there either, but it's yeah. just a, you know, it's a... Yeah. <laughs> well, I wish I wasn't there. That's the thing. <laughs> I mean, Pete knows this because we discuss it all the time. I mean, and I'm not saying just recently. This is going back maybe 15 years of us yeah. sitting there going, how do we keep younger kids coming to our shows? For some reason, the rest of the world, like Europe, South America, it's a no-brainer. They just come. They're yeah. like, oh, okay, my older brother, or now they're like, my parents love this band. They're going to take me to this band. And they're blown away by it. You know, but here in the States, it was just, it's, for like I said, the last 15 years, we've been asking ourselves, how can we get this new generation to really like us? You know, I don't see why kids who don't who like those bands can sit there and put on, you know, uh, Wake the Sleeping Dragon and be like, ah, uh, this is okay. That's fucking pure <laughs> fire. That album. <laughs> you know? yeah. But it's a, I'm just saying that, you know. But uh, I, I, I've lost track of train of thought. But but like I was saying, it's like. We we go to Europe and and it's just we'd have these generations follow us, you know, parents coming with their older brothers bringing their older brothers and sisters bringing their younger siblings, and then it goes from that to bringing their kids, and that's something that I know people do try to bring do in the states. And I understand young kids they want their own form of rebellion. They don't right. want you know like that's why some like punk kids uh, kids of punk parents they're just totally into hip hop because that's their new. You know their new rebellion. It's not. It's not something their parents had. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's. Well, it's interesting. I got a. I've, uh, my my stepdaughter's thirteen, and she's starting to like go. Like recently, there was a Nirvana shirt. Then she was asking to use my skateboard, and it's like, all right, I don't want to. I don't want to influence yeah. though. I, you know, I just want to see. I just want to want to let it go. I want to see what happens. Yeah, and it's. Yeah, yeah, it, well, exactly. Yeah. Um. But okay. So so yeah, I know. It goes to, like. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay, so so I was gonna say so. I was gonna say that. Uh, <laughs> so I think we got a delay that we keep talking over each other. Oh, uh, all right. Well, I, I was gonna say that. I mean, like Pete's daughter and my daughter. Uh, they're what? What are they, Pete? Like a a little over a year apart, or a little less, whatever. Yeah, something and, like that. Uh, they both like similar music, but my daughter now is getting more into like influenced by things like TikTok and stuff like that. She's getting more into dance music and musicals. So you know she's. She's not that much into the core anymore. <laughs> she loves going on tour with me, and she loves like watching the live shows. But uh, it's not like she's coming home putting on, you know, victim in pain and watching. <laughs> I don't know. That might be a little alarming. <laughs> uh, so okay, so so I know there was one part in your book that I read that I was I was surprised by, um, because earlier in the book you mentioned how much you guys liked Kiss, right? 
And um, yeah. but then later you talked about when you were recording Bill to Last, how you had the opportunity to open for Kiss at Madison Square Garden and you didn't do it. Well, yeah. All right. So yeah. So how does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) You have to, if you're going to play there, you have to pay. There was some kind of fee for the union. This is what I was told. It might not be the exact thing, but it was like 10,000 plus that you had to pay some sort of union bullshit. And we were like, fuck that. <laughs> we're going to pay, uh, you know, a hundred times the amount we're getting paid to play in front of empty seats. So we were like, fuck that. Yeah, so, re- so we didn't do it. I remember we were, we were discussing with the label for a little more time to record and they said flat out no. Yeah. But when they heard about Kiss wanting us to play, it was, they didn't want to think they said to somebody in their, their, on whatever their, their company, they said, we want the hot young bands in New York to open up every night. So they got, you know, degeneration and I forget who else was on there, but we were picked for one night and we had to turn it down because we were like, we said to the label, we're like, you won't give us, you know, like 3000 more dollars to, 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 for a little extension on the record, but you're willing to pay for our flights, pay that fee to get us on that stage to have us yell at Kiss fans for 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks. I think we were just, uh, you know, we we felt slighted by the label more so than, you know, more so than excited about playing with Kiss. Sure. Yeah, that that makes makes sense. I don't know if I say, I don't know if we tell the story in the book, but the guys from Civ uh, played in our place and, and uh, they said that as soon as the set was over, somebody from the Kisses crew came down and said, oh, you guys had a good time? As they were loading their stuff in their van, and they were like, yeah, we can't wait to see the show. And the guy goes over and takes all their backstage passes off and goes, well, you better go buy a ticket. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Two of, the guys, two, of the, two of the guys from Civ were standing behind the guy who was peeling off the, the things. And when he said, you better go buy a ticket, they turned and ran into the crowd with their passes so they didn't get thrown out. <laughs> that's funny they're very, nice <laughs> very nice people they but are. when you're bands <laughs> at that level don't have guest lists i found that out yeah. some of the crews can get people in uh this uh some guy who came to see us play in buffalo he was on tour with acdc and when axel rose was singing and then he said to me uh you want to come see the band uh he got me working passes for me and my wife and we went in through the, we had to go in through the uh, employees entrance and all that stuff. And we had to find a place to stand where, you know, nobody would be like, hey, what are you doing here? To watch the show. That's ridiculous. Those <laughs> big bands don't have guest lists. Yeah. Well, I, it's, a, it's a corporation. It's not, uh, you know. That's true. Well, hey, if, if that was, if that was sick of it all in, in Civs, in the Civs band situation there, and the guy was taking passes, which two would have ran away? from sick of it all with your passes back into the crowd. I would have ran. <laughs> well, being as I'm the singer and, I, I, and I'm too lazy, or I mean, I'm too important to touch equipment. I would have been in the crowd already. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the great, that's I the great I deal. I just went home. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck that. All right. So, 
right, so so uh, I won't keep you too much longer here. But I, but I was I, I, I want to get back to a little bit of the book. The book, like we said, was it's all these these good these funny stories, uh, these great tour stories, history of the band. But then at the end, it takes more of a personal turn. And it was it, honestly, it caught me off guard. Um, the stuff with Lou's godson, uh, the stuff with your your mother's cancer diagnosis was was all this. Uh, an easy thing to decide to include in the story of Sick of It All, or is it more just the sto- you know, but to, to be uh, cohesive of the story of the Kohler brothers? Yeah, I think it's more of just us two, right? Yeah, it's 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 part of our lives. You know, everything wasn't you know peachy keen the right. whole time. You know, shit happens. Yeah, just awful, awful things happen. Yeah. And, you know, just shows shows you trying to make your way through it, you know, how to keep going. Well, I I mean, I know it sounds, but I I enjoyed it for the for the personal touch of the whole thing. You know, I thought, like, again, I I was very, very caught off guard for by it. And uh, and um, but 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 I thought it really, uh, really ended it well. And I I guess that's not the very ending because you guys had your you guys had your daughters included there at the end, too. And as a as a father of two daughters, I found that uh, (laughs) really endearing. Yeah, that was yeah, a cool. Good idea. I, I didn't even. That was Howie's idea. I thought that was great. Nah, it's good. Um, talk. So, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with the books out now, right? It's um, with this kind of did this kind of work out for you guys with coronavirus? Nobody has anywhere to go, so now you can read a book. Is this the one thing that might have gone well for <laughs> sake of it all with coronavirus? Um, yeah, I never thought of that, but you're right. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I'd much rather be playing shows than being on tour, though. <laughs> I'm sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. Is there is yeah. there anything? Uh, I mean, we all miss it. Are you able to? Has sick of it all been able to do, to do anything through this? Are you guys able to write? Are you you know? Is there any band business that you're able to actually go through with? We're doing stuff, but it seems to be taking forever. I see other bands turning shit around like you know in no time. But uh, yeah, like in like. like in- <laughs> A few days, they get shit out, and we're like, "It's been what? How long it's been since we did those songs? We finished. We we did an experiment. Three months, six songs. Yeah, six songs, yeah. and we we've been done for three months now. And it's like, oh, it was in the hand of the guy who's mixing the music. Oh, it's in the hand of the guy editing the editing the shots together. And then it's like, well, we have to wait to talk to the label. It's like, why are you talking to the label? What the fuck <laughs> are you talking to the label for? <laughs> they're, not, they're not helping us out. They didn't pay for anything. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what the fuck? Fucking put it out. The label, label's got to be. But uh, that, you know, the, yeah, they have. The, hopefully, they're going to help promote it. That's what. That's what. All right, you know, <laughs> our manager doesn't do things stupidly. He's trying to do it where he can get the most from everybody. You know, who's involved. Yeah. You know, it's, speaking of, of live shows and stuff, it's so strange. Uh, there's a photographer friend of ours from Europe, and he he posted this thing. He said, "So happy from last. They got to see this last weekend." I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this must be a print from last year. No, they had a live, actual mini festival in Germany, and it made no sense to me. All they did was push the barricade further away from the <laughs> stage, so you had the stage, then a big space, then then bouncers, then a big space, then the barricade. And then the shots that he has of the crowd is like a regular hardcore crowd. It's people diving on each other. There's a one shot of everybody holding this guy up on the crowd and other people are jumping off the barricade. <laughs> and I'm like, crazy. they can do this, but we can't tour. What the hell's going on? Hey, did you see that thing Craig sent about uh, New York state is for, I don't know how long, but banning any place that has alcohol to have music. 
any live live, music. live band. Yeah, what? no more fucking, live band. Why does yeah. that? That doesn't even make um, sense. It, it, yeah, yeah. None it, of this. It, it, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. Nobody knows. Well, if given given the opportunity, yeah, if you had the people, opportunity now to, to play, where do you guys stand on that? Would sick of it all be out there playing right now? If 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 you could, given if, if nothing if, if nothing was different, if, See, that, I don't know if yeah. there would still you know the, it would have to be where we would have to tour and then have to have some place where before we get back to our families we have to we have to sit with each other for two weeks doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it might be the end and of the band. Then go to our families. That would <laughs> I was just gonna say maybe they could put us in that in our old van to shitbox for two weeks and we could just sit in there quarantine there <laughs> together. <laughs> Well, there you go. You brought it back to a to a to a Good point. From, in the book. Yeah, you brought it back to a point from the book. So I think I think that's a good place to to, to end things here. But guys, uh, thank you very much for doing this cool. uh, for having this conversation. I really do appreciate it. Um, big, like I said, big fan of the band, and and the book's great too. Um, I, I don't know what you guys have heard, but I've heard only good things. Oh, good. I hope spread the word. Then we will. That's what this is about. <laughs> Everybody's like, <laughs> all right, fellas. Thank you. Thanks for the conversation. All right. All right. Later. Thanks, Thanks man. man. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye. See you. See you, Luke. See you. I said, shut down and shut up. The feedback of what we had. Whoa! What do you think? What do you want? This man watches over you. Where do you go? What will you do? Your mind is racing in a million directions. All in one. So there you have it. That's my conversation with Pete and Lou. I'm sick of it all. Truly an honor to have them. Um, again, uh, go check out their book, The Blood and the Sweat. You got nothing else to do. You're not going anywhere else. The government is making sure of that. And I don't know if you agree with that or not. And hold on a second. Don't tell me because I don't care. Keep it to yourself, you fucking jackass. Um, <laughs> okay, so... If you're new to the podcast, thank you for listening. I hope you'll stick around for some upcoming episodes. Uh, I'm all over the place. We got hardcore, we got heavy metal, 
we got punk rock sometimes rarely we got some noise rock we go we got some industrial coming up next week's episode is with stan from terminal nation if you're not familiar with terminal nation they're a very cool band out of arkansas a little hardcore punk little um not little uh, grindcore no it's not grindcore i don't know what the fuck you call it the, the new record it's out on 20 bucks spin Okay, so that should give you a little bit of an indication of what they sound like, but it's more on the hardcore side. Anyway, you're going to hear that next week. Um, that was a cool chat, too. So, uh, yeah, things are going great here for the podcast, although the website's still not up, but we're going to get that fucking website up. I'm told by the end of the month, remains to be seen, but I am ever hopeful uh, that you will be able to go to gettingitout.net here in the new, near future and uh, see what see what we've been working on for a year. Not quite a year, but I'm going to exaggerate and say a year. Um until then, go to at getting underscore out underscore podcast underscore. No, there's no underscore at the end. At getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast. That's that's the Instagram page. And Facebook.com slash getting it out podcast. There's also the Twitter at getting it out pod. Follow those things. Look for what's coming. Um, it should be a lot. It might be a little. Depends on the week. You know, who knows? Uh, life is crazy right now. Life is is it's it's all sorts of things and i think the 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 easiest thing to do is just call it crazy all right that's going to be it for this week i'm going to end this one with a song from a who, who what should i go should i go well known or not well known let's let's uh let's let's go with the let's go with the the, the, the one that's not so well known i'm going to end this with a song uh from Cryptwalk. They're from Australia. They're a grindcore band. The song's called Breeding Filth. Um, it'll be out later this year, or later this month, and uh, you should check them out, especially if you like grindcore, right? Uh, it's a quick one, so thank you for listening. Hope you'll uh, come back next week, and uh, that's it. Bye-bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 